With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And fucking the, Illinois played a team called Grand Canyon. Oh. One by four. Welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast. My name is Casey Bartley, writer, podcaster, and hammerandrails.com. I am with Paul M. Banks of thesportsbank.net. Did I get it right the first time this time? Yeah, uh, nailed it. I am, I am getting really good at this, guys. Uh, Paul, how are you doing tonight? Excellent. Michigan State, Big Ten champs, just like I called it. Congratulations. You, you and every other media head everywhere. And did I not say it? Did I not say it last week that the Penn State Nittany Lions would take care of business against Ohio State? You did call that, yes. At at the end of the season, that looked like a that's a much more impressive prediction than at the beginning. I, I'm I'm very salty. I don't want to t- talk about the race to be honest. The Wisconsin worst team I've ever seen in my life. Well, Purdue for the gonna cost them the conference title, which I don't even care about. It's just like principle at this point 
but that team could possibly cost you anything. Well, losing to Penn State would even have more respectability. And Penn State's good. I don't. I, I mean, that's kind of the narrative now. Everyone's like, oh, Penn State's good. They beat Ohio State, and they beat them legit. Carr's awesome. I agree with all those points. They're athletic, long. They play, like, they're very physical. They're one of the more physical teams I've seen in the Big Ten this year. Uh, but Wisconsin's just... That game in Madison was... It set Big Ten basketball, like, for a little while there, it looked like Big Ten was going to get out of the rut of being like, oh, Big Ten basketball, you know what, it's a wrestling match on hardwood. That game was a wrestling match on hardwood, and it was not good for anyone. That game was the college basketball equivalent of the 1904 St. Louis Summer Olympics Marathon, where it was running like a 100-degree heat, and the winner was some guy who actually rode in a car and was disqualified. So then the real winner was a guy who was fed strychnine and brandy during the race. It was just, it was just awful. What is this thing you just dropped? I, you have to hold these back. Cause now I just want this entire episode to be about what you just said. Cause none the- of that made sense. <laughs> There's a guy in a car who won a race at the Olympics. Yes. In, in 1904, the Olympics were in St. Louis and it was in like 1995, a hundred degrees with humidity. And there's a guy who the, the favorite, he dropped out after a couple miles because they had no water. They had one water station that was halfway through the 13 mile mark, which we later learned was a, um, Actually, an SB Nation guy made a YouTube video of this, and he tells the whole story, and he makes like a little board game out of it. Oh, it's it's brilliant. So, so anyway, the no water thing was actually some deranged lunatic social experiment. He was testing dehydration on runners. At the so, Olympics. At the Olympics. And he just got away with it. Yes, he's actually in the running hall. He's actually in the track and field hall of fame today. See, that's why we can't have nice things. Someone pulls like the biggest dick move in the world and then they put him in the hall of fame anyway. It's Yeah, it's repugnant. It's repulsive. It's hilarious. It's a shame there's not video. They had cars in 1904. Well, it was like the perfect time if you wanted to cheat and go in a car because they didn't who was you would need multiple eyewitnesses to to rat you out this so is a little off, off topic but that's like any movie that goes back in time where someone goes back in time like nothing that you would plan on accomplishing you should plan on like back to the future they're trying to like not have a murder happen or something i don't know i haven't really seen the movies <laughs> but once you go back in time like you have such an advantage on every human being there like why would you not just stay there and be a king like there's no way i remember having an old philosophy teacher who was like immortality could not exist because if you're immortal why wouldn't you just lay down and do nothing because literally you have forever to do whatever you wanted and like going back to the future just be like you are the smartest person literally in the world like literally meet any gene like meet einstein and you could be like hey stupid put the two over the c you got it (laughs) good job buddy Trust me, it works. So the the guy who finished fourth in the marathon was mm-hmm. actually not even um, sanctioned by a country, and he wasn't even invited. <laughs> he was the Cuban guy who took a steamship to New Orleans and lost all his money gambling in New Orleans. So he had to hitchhike up there, and he he ran the in in his mailman outfit because it was the only clothes he had. <laughs> and he actually. <laughs> Took a nap in the middle of it because he ate some apples. He got food poisoning from this. I ate all this stuff. Come on. A guy got food poisoning, took a nap, and still got fourth? Yeah. 
The 1900s sound awesome. Any time where I'm an Olympic, like Olympic possible athlete, sounds great to me. There are these two great athletes who were there for the World's Fair because it was the same summer, and one of them ended up finishing 13th because wild, rabid dogs chased them a mile off the court. <laughs> How is this not a 30 for 30? That should be like a 90 for 90. This, yeah, like this, this could be like an entire podcast on on just this because then we could talk about going back in time and everything. And you know what? I, like, if I could go back in time, I would go back in time two times. I'd go back like 40 years, maybe a little longer. Grab Hunter S. Thompson, take him back in time for this race, and have him be able to write about it. Because <laughs> that all sound that sounds like an LSD trip. Like I, I think you might you might be fucking with me. I'm not entirely like certain this is real. Then there was a all the they were running on dust and rocks, and some guy dropped out because his insides were bleeding from inhaling too much dust. You are making this up. How do you keep having more points? <laughs> Did you write a dissertation on this? Why do you know? Like we're five points deep, and you're still like, oh, by the way. Oh, I wrote, I wrote a, um, I wrote a post on this on my site the day of of the Olympics started, the opening ceremonies, because I titled what was the dumbest Olympic sporting event in history. <laughs> the greatest, you mean? Well, it was the greatest, and I mean, when you think about it, if some somebody gives you rat poison as a performance enhancer, and then they give you brandy. <laughs> Actually, maybe that's what happened with everyone that played the Wisconsin Purdue game. That's it. I honestly, I'm not making this up. Watching that Purdue Wisconsin game, I started thinking about this race because <laughs> I'm just like, there's something wrong here where nothing makes any sense. Well, that is a perfect segue. Not only a, it's a double ended segue, because first it's a segue, which is what real podcasts do, and we're going to attempt what also other real podcasts do, which is to have a segment. Yes. And our first segment is going to be 14 teams, 14 thoughts. Pretty simple concept. I'm going to name a team, and you, Paul, are going to give me one thought on each team. Are you ready? All right. Hit me up. Lightning round. Well, we can make it doesn't need to be the lightning round. We can go in more in depth, but sure. Yeah, we just talked 20 minutes about a race that might have happened. <laughs> it does kind of sound like a bad out. It really does. All right. So first team on my list, Indiana University. I Like I said, I like what Archie's doing. I think they're going to be better moving forward. Um, you know, I, I think they could be a tournament team within a year or two. <laughs> That's such an anti-banner sentiment. I love it. <laughs> well, I just don't. I I know how insane their fan base is and what kind of standards they have, but you know that's just not coming back. By the way, their standards, like they're holding on to standards, like a fifty-six-year-old guy holds on to standards, like oh, I should still be nailing twenty-three-year-old supermodels. Like, yes, I believe you once. You were young and vital and rich, and you did, but like that's not the world we live in anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, second team, University of Maryland. Oh boy, they um they came to Allstate Arena last night, and just looking at their roster, I'm like, man, I've like never heard of any of these guys. I'm like, what has this become? And it was a it was a um, thrilling eight versus nine matchup, the eight and ninth place teams in the Big Ten in a historically awful year for the Big Ten. And I, I think maybe Turgeon has 
maybe his window has passed. Like maybe when he had uh, two McDonald's All Americans on the same roster and he had veterans, I four NBA guys, four NBA guys, one of which I I did see in action in the G League. Diamond Stone plays for the Wisconsin Herd, I think. Makes sense. Maybe, maybe plays for the Windy City Bulls or. Maybe those are teams I just made up and don't exist. One of those is real. I have no idea about a Wisconsin team. All right, so, yeah, constant disappointments. I think that's been the Turgeon legacy. Well, Wichita State was all right, but, yeah, his Maryland, it's been let down. University of Michigan. Now, there is a program that I would be buying for the NCAA tournament. I think... I, I think they have got – I think they could make a deep run like they did in 2013. Um, happy 2013 National Championship presentation day, by the way. Um, Wait, but no, Beeline deserves the hype and credit that Harbaugh gets. Like It's like when Eminem – Wow, that's a take. He's done more there than Harbaugh has. Hey, I'm not – I mean, that's kind of what makes a good take, right? Like something that you have to go, well, oh, you're, yeah, that makes, yeah, you're right. I've, I've written 800 words to back up that take. So <laughs> very impressive. I, I've just go, I mean, the only, the people, if you want to counterpoint that you would say, well, Harbaugh needs I to. I don't want to counterpoint it. Like I'm, I'm so for that. We're Particularly good. like the angry Michigan football fans make me very happy to think about that. Yes. I, I, good. Let's make angry Michigan fans angrier. Bring it on. All right. Michigan State University. Michigan State University. Big Ten champs. It really says something when you've got a McDonald's All-American, a great talent like Josh Langford, and he's your fourth or fifth best player. Their starting lineup is scary. And they did kind of – they played the first half at Allstate Arena on Ambien, and they played tonight's first half against Illinois on Advil PM, I guess, because that's not as strong. But the point would be they just did not look very good in the first halves, and it reminded me of – well, no, it just verifies what you've what you've been saying, that there are no great teams. There are no elite teams this year. So the number two team in the country can look like that. But they are the number two team in the country for a reason. And I mean, there's so much I, like Gavin Schilling was a starter on the 2015 final four team. And he's like the eighth or ninth guy. It, it's crazy. He guarded Haas as well as anyone has this year. One-on-one is there's not, I, I personally believe this. You can agree or disagree. They have the highest ceiling in the country. Yeah. Well, Duke, cause they've got all that, like insane amount of do they know i mean because they can't play defense worth a lick bagley is a great offensive player but he is garbage on the defensive end yeah duke has the highest nba draft stock ceiling which i get (laughs) a different question and a different answer from michigan state having the highest ceiling i i could go with that i could i could agree with that ohio state university you know, I I spoke with one of my followers who's an Ohio State fan about why don't they embrace this team? Why don't they check in? Why don't they care? And it's because they're Ohio State fans. Yes, that that's true. But the reason he gave is that there's inevitable disappointment coming, and they don't gear up because of that. And when I when you kind of think about how their tournaments have ended, and now you see the story arc of this season, I kind of see that guy's point i i think there's a problem you're on a purdue podcast right now so if that were a reason not to be engaged our entire fan pace would just like not exist (laughs) 
we go at it every year. Like, we know there's an inevitable fall and that it's going to come harsh and quick. And it's going to make us want to do things to ourselves, things around us, people we love that we'd be ashamed about in the next 10 minutes. But we still go there. That's Isn't that the beauty of sports? Isn't that what we're here for? Well, it's all about investing your emotion and time and there's gonna be a payoff and it's well yeah it's like playing a slot machine sometimes it's gonna pay off and sometimes it's not so i guess they do have football so it's kind of like they know they have like they'll be in the playoffs every year yeah but ohio state is just like the notre dame fan base and where it's like oh they're more interested in spring football practice like offensive right guard position battles than basketball and until march maybe and i mean logically that is right because you know dockage plays a big part in their team like that's not a good sign as good of a story as that is but like that's not comforting that's true if andrew dockage is one of your key players that's definitely not a good sign although he did get to have two senior nights so he gave the speech he's been there for like three months well maybe (laughs) dockage should be the guy that's kind of holding the buckeyes together in that sense of i kind of felt like Maybe they didn't know enough to realize they shouldn't be this good all season long. And then now this last couple of weeks, they've realized, no, we shouldn't be actually this good because we're not that good. But Dockett should be the veteran who could, you know, like Spike Albrecht's role last year with Purdue. Yeah. And you know what? You know what Scott or Spike Albrecht mostly was? A letdown, a deficiency, an oh God, he's coming into the game. Love the story, love the narrative. The stuff he did in the NCAA championships was great. But that was like three hip surgeries before. Yeah, he was like um he was like an iPhone two by the time he got to Purdue. You could plug it in and it still works, but you want mascots to come out during timeouts. You don't want them to be on the floor. All right, next team. Pennsylvania State University. Well, watching the Purdue game, I realized I was watching the Big Ten Network's infomercial about getting Penn State into the NCAA tournament because they must have talked about their passing the eye test 37 million times. But I'm not I, – I am impressed by Penn State. I do think they're quality, but I don't I don't know if I buy that they're an NCAA tournament team. They're, they're better than I thought they were going to be, and – man did they really give you guys a game and they just wouldn't go away but do you think they're a tournament team the first thing coach painter said in his press conference was i don't know about teams resumes but i know i know when i watch a team and i know if they're an ncaa tournament team or not and that team we just played was an ncaa tournament team i will not pretend to know more about basketball than coach painter even though that's the thing you're supposed to do with as a Purdue fan, I think. Oh, of course, because everything bad in the entire world is Matt Painter's fault at all times. Yep. So, I, and honestly, when I watch him, they had a starter out even. You win in the tournament by having really good guards. They have really good guards, and they're tough. They're physical. I wouldn't want to play them in the tournament, which I think makes you a tournament team. Carr is legit. Yeah, Carr is definitely legit. All well, right. it's the thing is, though, that, the committee looks at the numbers and the metrics. They don't look at the eye test. But, you know, Brad Underwood said the same thing after they went into Illinois and whipped the Illini by 20. He said they're an NCAA tournament team. Paul, we've talked about this. Ken Palm, they have Penn State as number 25 team in the nation. Oh. So not only are they a tournament team, they're ranked. Best. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I'm going to have to convert from RPI to Ken Palm. 
that's what did it for you? The Penn State love? I think this was a gradual process over time from talking to you. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting somewhere. And I think every Ken, I think you just like chip away at me with every Ken Palm reference. I mean, their Penn State has played really well late. Uh, they still have a chance to win. They still play Michigan at home. They still play Nebraska away. Nebraska is like right on the bubble of being a good win. And so that's two chances. They're absolutely a team that could go to the Big Ten tournament and get hot. And if they make their way to the semifinals or, God forbid, the finals, they're definitely going to be, I would think, favorite on the bubble. They have a good defense. Um, Ken Palm has them as the 18th best defense, 49th best offense. It's a pretty good balance. Mm. There's definitely not many great teams. There's also, I don't feel like, a ton of good teams. So... Why not Penn State? I think that's very true. When you look at this season, there's no elite teams. There's no great teams. I think you could have – we've actually seen this. Like, you wouldn't think it, but going from 64 to 68, widening the bubble has, like, widened the bubble more than you would ever – it's like – Yeah, no, because it's totally four teams that aren't getting automatic buys. So it's, it is, like, pretty good percentage of teams that were – would be an at-large that adds to the field. So, yeah, I think you're spot on there. So you felt it, too. You felt the bubble Mm -hmm. seems to be weaker. Like Illinois last year, if they did not blow it at Rutgers, Illinois is. And then they beat Michigan in their pajamas on three hours rest. I I feel like most years, like in the past, there were like one or two teams where you're like, oh, my God, how did they not get in? But now those teams usually get in, so now it's a matter of literally – there's like 10 teams that all have the same profile. I am a big, I want to go with the team with the highest ceiling. And I think Penn State has a very high ceiling because of their guard play, their athleticism, and their defense. So I'm going to go that way over, I don't know, a middling team that's had a decent year, but or they've maxed out what they could do. It kind of reminds me of the last time the Big Ten tournament was here in Chicago. It was 2016, and after every press conference, there was some guy, obviously covers Penn State, and... You know, instead of asking a question, he did the talk about, talk about, and he did talk about, talk about how Penn State is the team no one wants to play right now. I feel like the talking about, talking about movement is becoming really strong. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that that brings change. (laughs) Change does not happen. One step forward, two steps back. There is no doubt a small group of dedicated citizens can change the world. Indeed, is the only thing that ever has. Who's president that... right now? <laughs> How'd that well, work? Well, maybe that's why. Maybe the press should have not done talkabouts, and then maybe he wouldn't have won. Maybe that's the reason he won the electoral college. All right, we're gonna move on. <laughs> All right, so now that's the first half of the Big Ten. Let's drop down to the bottom seven. Actually, we're going to save the next one because that'll be our segue. Uh, University of Iowa. Hot seat. Ooh. It's if there's any coach who's on the hot. Fran the man? You know, he. I like what he's done and the way he slowly built things up. But he kind of. <laughs> like it was like a two step. That wasn't two steps forward. I like his patience. Hot, well, I don't know. Mike. <laughs> You know what? I think you've literally said enough. Like, that is exactly the right sentiment. I mean, Poor I, Fran. Well, look at it this way. Like, in a year in which the Big Ten is just a total dumpster fire, they really are... I Burn brightest of them all. I, I would... 
Yeah, I mean, I know you could make a case that Illinois is the worst team in the league, and maybe you can say that about Rutgers, but if you look at whole body of work, end-to-end, just resume, the wins, like Iowa really kind of has it. Like that is that is a solid 14th team, 14th place team right there. And speaking of sad universities, University of Minnesota. Oh, man. Well, we talked about that last week, how we saw the bubble bursting. And um, they finally shut down Amir Coffee for the season a couple of days ago, which we all knew was coming. And I guess that was their way of kind of saying, yeah, we'll just. They're playing for a draft pick next year. It's fine. You have a high draft pick. Yeah, get those lottery balls. Rack up those lottery balls. I would I would Do say. Do you think Patina's job's in trouble? No. He's just a basketball coach and just the basketball suck. No, because they gave him that fat extension. So Does that really matter? It's a big buyout. I, I, I don't know. I, I, they, with the breakthrough last year, I would think that buys them some time. Doesn't that breakthrough just like get completely nullified by how bad this team has been? In a logical world, yes. <laughs> In a rational frame of mind, absolutely. But do you – I think – I don't think you can separate the basketball from the off-the-court stuff. Because I, I yeah, I don't either. I mean, wasn't it just last year that uh, some of their players got suspended for li- tweeting, live-tweeting, like a sex video? That that could be. It definitely happened. It was either last year or two years ago. I get, I get confused with my Minnesota football sex scandals. Or just Minnesota athletic scandals. They all kind of run together after a while. It's amazing how they seem to like follow the Patino name. That was what I was going to bring up next. That's what I was thinking next. That You, you have to think that's got to factor into branding and imaging with the program with the school i mean this is what that's what bugs me with like college fans the vitriol that like purdue fans have for painter who is like on all accounts is a clean program does things right is is from the purdue program played here um loves the community is part of the community has you know all these good things i mean he's brought us back to relevance and yet all the hate and yet someone like patino who is so unlikable and like morally just and yet he still has a job and there's fan bases that like are loyal to them and it it just makes no sense to me it makes no sense to me how they had to give him that big extension because there were schools that wanted to go get him like he was a hot commodity and you know no one everyone roots for a uh, good horatio alger story in america a good pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of thing and no one likes a second generation success story and that them are code words, Mr. Banks. <laughs> you know, no one but you're right, he's not likable. At all. He like ugh, like his face is dumb. Like you just wanna ugh. Yeah. All right, let's move on. It's making me unhappy. I was gonna say he face. <laughs> I stopped myself from saying that. Whoa. There's there's people so like three university of nebraska oh man was that a killer to lose to illinois that is a resume killer um i thought they were kind of i don't know they just don't have the high quality wins and they don't even have that like second tier quality of wins so um i guess you gotta like that they're doing it with transfers that's kind of an interesting story that doesn't that's kind of the problem too because they don't have a guy and their guy transferred away yep that's that's what, you know, they're overachieving, which is mm-hmm. wonderful, but this is just, they're going to be in a world of hurt coming up because 
They've had so many. I'm surprised he kept his job with all those guys that were taken off over the last couple of years. I'm very surprised. But this year has been so good that you've got to feel he's pretty secure now. I just don't know what expectations you can have for a Nebraska basketball team. In theory, I mean, if Nebraska can't win in football, which is what they're supposedly known for, it's really hard to imagine like a bunch of recruits, like high time recruits wanting to come to Nebraska. Nebraska football is literally that guy you said before, the 50s <laughs> club who used to bang uh, swimsuit models when he was 23. Yeah. Still thinks he can. Yeah. So it's I don't I I think you just have to hold on and hope like if someone hangs around long enough, maybe he'll get lucky with a senior class, turn in enough, you know, development. I think he does develop players well. He's had a couple guys pop here and there, and I think that's all you really hope for. Do you think they have any NCAA tournament chances this year? No, God, no. Their only chance was if the Big Ten was good and they had enough upset wins. On a down Big Ten year, their schedule is not going to look sharp enough. They're not going to get that random, uh, what, they beat us at home last year or two years ago. You have to have wins like that, and there just weren't enough chances in the Big Ten, and they didn't hit. And you, It should be a prerequisite. You can't lose to Illinois and still make the big, still make the NCAA tournament. Then again, I'd say that about Wisconsin, and whoops. Do you think Wisconsin has, like, woken up now? No, no. They were awful. They didn't even play well. No. They didn't play well and still won. That's how bad Purdue was that night. I don't know if anybody in a random Big Ten fan could name somebody on Wisconsin other than Ethan Happ. No, they're all like the one guy with the shoulder sling. Colton Iverson. No, Navison. Buzzcut Brad. Hingle McCringleberry. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of basketball teams that have no shot of making to the NCAA tournament. Northwestern University. Yeah, you know, I still, when I think about this season, I think about just how Chris Collins is not handling it very well because he's had a couple very strange press conferences where he's unloaded. And the first one is the the one in, in West Lafayette. So yeah. funny. I was, God, that was so funny. Just the way it like slowly circulated, like the little Northwestern guys were like, by the way, we just talked to Pardon. He's fine perfectly fine it's just like what I, yeah uh, mm. and then it just circulated it <laughs> off from there it got then it got into the purdue because because you know northwestern has like 10 whole fans but then when it gets to purdue where there's a, a big fan base that's engaged and um i say you have you're right on the heartbeat there just what the hell happened this year I mean, by well, just by what we know about basketball, this team should be at least as good as they were last year. They should be better. Right. I mean, Sanjay Lumpkin was a glue guy who did a lot of the dirty work. He was underrated. No one really appreciated him now until he's gone. But it's just one guy. When you look at everything else that they had coming back, you know, I, I don't know if it's just having all road games because that still doesn't explain – well, why are they bad on the road then? Like, why did they lose at Rutgers? And, you know, I, I in some ways I kind of feel sorry for them because the window is really closing now because McIntosh is gone, Lindsay's gone. Um, but then again, I don't feel sorry for him because, you know, Chris Collins had this other, after the, after the Michigan game, after their biggest win, their best win of the whole year, he was very snarky and very oversensitive and very, defensive about some stuff that was written and 
You know, that if you're going to be the big boy program and you're going to be the subject of the puff pieces on a national level, then you got to take the criticism that goes with it. And, and then he did. And even that I can understand. He's frustrated. Fine. He's trying to motivate his team. But that one unforgivable thing was when he's just like, oh, they're saying this, you know, we're 15 and 10 and we're six and six in conference. And they're saying that's a disaster. Well, well, at Northwestern, that's pretty good. It's like, no, man, you're that's done. You can't do the by Northwestern standards anymore. Here's my hot take. Brian McIntosh is the most overrated Big Ten player, maybe of my lifetime. <laughs> Seriously, like from the beginning, he is... He has been touted from the beginning. He has played at least uh, his freshman year. He played 81.7% of the minutes for Northwestern. And he has been an absolute just steadfast in that program. He's been the guy everyone talks about how much he loves. His percentages are awful. He has shot his best year. His first two years were his best shooting years when he shot 36% from three. Um, He shot 45% from two, both his first two years. Last year, he got worse. 30% from three on 137 attempts, 44% from inside the two-point line. This year, he's been 31% and 41%. Uh, He's only gotten to the line 55 times this year. And, like, his assist rate's always been pretty good, but his turnover rate is near 20% for his entire career. Turned over the ball a lot, had the ball in his hand a lot, taken a lot of shots, not been effective at it. And his game, when you watch it, relies on, like, really long floaters, which is not ideal. And yet he's been talked about like one of the better players in the Big Ten, and I just don't ever see it. Yeah, he's touted as one of the best players in program history. Um, I guess because he was kind of like one of the jewels of Chris Collins' first recruiting class or, or early recruiting class, he considered to be the main. It's kind of like that's his guy. Yeah, it came to uh, Purdue wanted him a lot. He was pretty highly rated. I'm just saying, like, he's never been that good. Well, this year he's just really regressed. This year he's just been atrocious. No, I mean, his offensive rating this year was 98.3. Last year was 100.7, and he played 15% more of the minutes. Freshman year, 101.4 offensive rating. His best year was actually his sophomore year at 110. And, like, none of those are, like, crazy good, especially not for, like, a point guard who... He's, like, okay at breaking down defenses, but he's not... He's not great at it, and he's certainly not a good finisher. And he's always been – I don't I don't know. I just don't see it. Well, I would agree with – I would say that Vic Law should be the alpha dog on this team. Yeah, he's by far the best player. Yeah, I think he's been by far the best player the whole way through. But McIntosh is the guy that needs to be promoted and marketed and branded. And I, I've just never – plus Vic – I don't know. Vic Law seems a guy that, like, really knows what he's talking about, too. Like, he gives actual – real answers on things he knows what he's talking about he doesn't do the the cliches and platitudes i mean it's gonna be vic law's team next year Uh, scotty lindsey's been extremely erratic this season um i don't know i mean that you really said a lot though with mcintosh being the most overrated did you say the most overrated i'm trying to think of who who else would be in that class evan turner probably that's a good one because when they were in the ncaa tournament it was in Milwaukee, and UC Santa Barbara was staying in my hotel, and I just started talking about Evan Turner with the coach of UC Santa Barbara in the hotel bar. And This will get me in hot water, but 
Caleb Swanigan as a freshman was definitely one of the most overhyped players because he wasn't good his freshman year. He's just a product of the world we live in where recruiting coverage rules over everything else. And right. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. weird to think about four years of Macintosh and the narrative has stayed the same, but it's never once really matched with who he was on the court. Yeah, I would agree with that. This has probably been way too much Northwestern talk. I was going to say, <laughs> if you've been to Allstate Arena and you see the crowds they get. I've been to Welsh Ryan. Dumpster fire. If you've been to Welsh Ryan, yeah, then you know that we've, um, great. The supply of Northwestern talk has greatly exceeded the demand here. All right. So the next one on the list is Purdue University. All right. Uh, Vince Edwards. Do you think he's going to, is he going to be ready? He was in a, was in a walking boot. Honestly, my assumption is he will sit out the rest of the regular season. I don't, I don't think the walking boot thing really matters because that's just how you heal an ankle. Um, I just don't know why you would risk it. The Big Ten is not in play anymore. And to be honest, we go to Illinois. If we, if we can beat Penn State without Vincent Edwards, we should absolutely be able to beat Illinois and Minnesota. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. It's not coincidence that Ryan Klein got on, got hot against Penn State. Generally speaking, if you're a shooter, you need minutes and you need to get in a rhythm. And same thing with, you know, Nojel Eastern played more and he's been really good lately. He's a really nice defensive piece, especially headed towards the NCAA tournament when stopping opposing guards is about the biggest thing you can do. So I think getting them more minutes, letting Vince completely rest for a two-game round of the Big Ten tournament and then having another week off before the NCAA tournament, I just think that makes sense. There's no reason to rush him back. Ankles can be tricky. Um, It's not something where he's, you're probably not going to make it worse, but you never know. But you want him all the way back. You don't want him, you don't want to risk making it worse or getting him into the funk or whatever. And it's good for Dakota to be out there looking for shots. It's good for, you know, Haas to get more looks. Everyone to, you can make a silver lining out of it if you want, I guess would be how I look at it. I, I was impressed that they won without him. And I, I would go with that. I mean, Minnesota and Illinois, that's like getting the closest thing you're going to get to a buy, a double buy. And then, of course, the extra time off for the tournament. What would you, you know, getting back to our, our question from last week with is should it be the Haas fence or offense around centering around Carson Edwards? Now that we've seen the offense without Vince Edwards in it, does that alter your perception? No. Um, honestly, I think the key to our offense is Dakota Mathias really being aggressive going for shots. And like the run, the Penn State run started off, he had 18 points in the game, 13 of them in the second half. And we need him to come off screens really hard. We need him to attract attention. That gravity opens up everything for Haas, for Carson Edwards, for Isaac Haas. If he's making shots, our off, he is our motion. He is the motion of our offense. He runs off screens. He can catch the ball a little and make plays. He's really good at passing. He knows when the defense is off balance. He knows where to put the ball. If he is a threat, if he is aggressive, that is when our offense is really kicking into high gear. That's when you can't double anyone else. And Vincent Edwards and Isaac Haas eat up one-on-one coverage when the defense is shifted away from them. Haas, if he gets a clean look inside, Vincent, if his guy is one step off, he knows how to take advantage of it. And Dakota's the one that creates that. Carson is Carson. He's going to do what he does. Dakota's the kind of the X factor that changes from night to night. Is he a 20-point player? 
or is he a seven-point player? And when he's a 20-point player, Purdue's offense is unstoppable. So how do you think things are going to go Thursday night? I think we're playing Illinois, and if we're at the point of the season where you literally cannot lose this game anymore. You gave up your one embarrassing loss. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. I think Purdue will go in there. I think... I don't exactly know what the emotional, what it feels like to only have two regular season, you know, college games left in your career. But I would have to imagine that that is a fire that will burn them through the last two games. I expect them to come out fully ready. Um, Dakota's really done well against Illinois defensively. I feel like he shut down your guys every three years that he's played you. And the same thing I think will happen. Um, Illinois really... From what I've seen, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, really depends on, you know, their guards making play, making shots. And I don't know, I feel like he is really locked in against Illinois. And you don't really have the athletes that'll give Purdue the problems. So I, I feel confident. With Illinois, you really have to, you only have to guard two guys. And if one of them is having an off shooting night, then you really only have to guard one guy. I mean, LaRon Black has made the leap this year. He's definitely... He was like a top 40 national recruit, and he never lived up to that hype until this year. But obviously, he's a high-percentage shooter, so he'll be on. Trent Frazier has had an amazing freshman year, but he can have a cold shooting night. So then the rest is very... There's there's just no one you can really... game. You'd have to worry about game planning around or... I'll be honest. I haven't seen a bunch of Illinois. I watched the second half tonight against Michigan State. I've seen a couple of halves here or there. You guys look like a jump shooting team that isn't very good at jump shooting. That's a very accurate assessment. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's the sense I feel. Well, I said it all along. I'm like, who are the bigs going to be? I said that last spring. I said that in the whole offseason. Like, you're going to need forwards, and you're going to need size, and... I did. I mean, there's Michael Finky, Finky, Fink, Finky, Finky. He is. Is your one guy that's six ten or above? Everyone else that plays looks to be six seven or less. Yeah, it's e- not great against Purdue. Eboigbedin and Matic, uh, Matic, and yeah, those guys are just they're projects. They're not filling part of the rotation. Yeah, they're filling. Their their bodies are fouls. Um, no, there's there's no size at all, and it's just a complete mismatch. It, it's really going to be an issue against Purdue. Do you feel like the Vincent Edwards injury is going to affect Purdue's game? No, I think Purdue's going to be just fine. Without them, I it's it's interesting that there's so many weird trivia on the line here. There's a lot of streaks on the line in this game. Um, Illinois has beaten a ranked team, at least one ranked team, every year going all the way back to 1974-1975. Well, they'll still have a chance in the Big Ten tournament, maybe. If they win their first game and then get drawn against Michigan... And that's what I saw. I think they were in like the 12 slot, so they would get... My, I mean, my, my money is on this streak ending. It's amazing what that streak has lived through. It's like it's like a cockroach surviving a nuclear winter. What it, is a normal... But I feel like that's one of those weird stats that's probably pretty long for a lot of teams. Because it's not that hard to beat a top 25 team. Right, but we're also talking about three or four Illini teams that had 15 plus losses. No one's perfect. There's a lot of Purdue in that streak, which is <laughs> no, actually that's not nice. 
That's actually a compliment. There's a lot of Michigan no, State. That, that's a backhanded compliment. Well, it that means Purdue's always ranked. I'm talking. I mean, you're, you're losing to Illinois. There are a lot of year. I I did you know look through the media guide just to verify this. It, this isn't just what I've lived through and experienced <laughs> through walking this earth. But I looked it up to verify. And a lot of years, I'm like, oh well, they beat Purdue at home. Oh, they beat Purdue is 21. They beat them. But, my my favorite exercise to do in a game like this, um, build the narrative. How would Illinois beat Purdue? Um, hostage. Someone dying in your background. What's that? Someone dying in your background. Yeah, that's just Otis. He's just, I don't know. He that was an animal. Yeah, that's my cat. <laughs> Sounded like he was yelling for help. He, he's yelling for me to pay attention to him. Wait, hold on. You don't constantly have a cat in your lap that you're just stroking, like the guy from Inspector Gadget? Yeah, an ex-girlfriend once said that to me. <laughs> I thought that was, like, the most clever thing she ever said. <laughs> he was accusing me of something, I don't know what, and I just did the old, like, oh, come on. I, I, I can't mastermind anything. I'm just a regular dude who like sports and hanging out that's just how i am and she's like no no that's not true you you take your cat and you stroke him (laughs) all right so how would you build the narrative of an illinois upset to purdue i would well mark smith mr basketball in the state of illinois last year had a great non-conference but then against real teams he's gone invisible so He's really kind of fallen off this year. He would have to have a career night, maybe score like 20, 25. Mark. He has an effective field goal percentage right now of 37.8. Well, you know, this is, we're writing a Hollywood script here. This doesn't, we're not. Doing... I know. I'm. Yeah. I'm just, I just, I want the stakes to be known. Okay. Um, well, if you let, please tell me what Mark Allstork's numbers are. Uh, Mark. Paul Stork. Offensive rating of 96. His his effective field goal percentage is 37.8. And there's not enough there's not a lot to like here. He's 17 of 76 from three. So at least he's persistent. I'm shocked that he didn't get dropped from the lineup. I don't I don't get it. He's he's a transfer from Wright State. That's a lot of th- that's a lot of three-point attempts for 17 makes. I, I don't get why Underwood hasn't benched him. I mean, he's he's a transfer from Wright State where he, he averaged like close to 20 points a game. He was a huge scorer in the Horizon League. He was really going to be that transfer that fills the gap, and he's just been a total disappointment. He's been a complete letdown, and a lot of what's gone wrong, he just hasn't. I don't know. So all of a sudden, he becomes that scorer he was supposed to be. Mark Smith plays up to the potential. That's okay. Is LeBron Black going to play any center? He has. He could be a matchup problem for Haas offensively. Yeah, I could see that. Also, you got to remember, he can actually shoot threes. So he would. 16 to 31 on the year. He'll still space you out. Makes his free throws. Trent Frazier. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's solid. He's not out of this world, but he, he's solid. He's You see his shot, it's not pretty, but it goes in. There can be – you see, it's weird. Illinois had the other point guard, Tejon Lucas, in the Northwestern game. The plan was just 
let Tejan Lucas play hero ball and let him take over. And he was later benched and then suspended. We don't know why. Um, and I was like, this guy, that guy was like the alpha for a brief period. And now he's like, not even, I mean, there's, there's a lot that you said, there's not a lot to like here. I really think it's important to know to know that December 30th to Saturday, I'm assuming this tip off was at like 10 AM. Illinois played a team called Grand Canyon (laughs) and they lost or they won. They did win 62 to 58. Grand Canyon shot three of 20 for three and still only lost by four points to Illinois. And they had a lead, I believe, inside five minutes to go, maybe inside two or three minutes to go. That I cannot tell you. I'm assuming most most records of that game had to have been burnt. I until that game, I only thought that was an online only college. (laughs) I didn't know that that actually had a physical building. I didn't know it was a college. I just thought it was one of the great wonders of the world. It's beautiful. I went in 2012. Is the college inside the Grand Canyon? It's, um, where, you know, those, that really is a place, that state, especially that city of, like, colleges where you can, hey, you want to go, you're in. Because, you know, Arizona State has always been a punchline for lax standards. You've got the University of Phoenix. I think they have standards. They're just different standards. Well, it's a, I know it's a for-profit school. Grand Canyon's a for. That's that's what I got so mad about on Twitter during that game. I said, Illinois cannot lose to a for-profit school. That just cannot happen in a game that was a favor to a very rich and powerful alum. And that's the only reason it was scheduled anyway. That's all very weird. That's that's 2017-18 Illini basketball for you. You guys did beat a team. Augustana, Illinois, which is not even registered by Ken Palm, which means they're not a real team. This is a this is a Ken Palm certified podcast, and you played a team that's not on there. That sounds like someone you would get a lap dance from. <laughs> I really like that Boston song by Augustana. <laughs> you know they lost. You know those goofy exhibitions that no one cares about or takes serious. They actually lost that. They lost to Eastern Illinois in an exhibition. And and here's more in state in state rival Eastern Illinois. And here's more woeful Illini basketball trivia. This could be unless they win at Rutgers on Sunday. This is going to be the first Illini team to not have a true road win since 1906. That is really impressive. There's a lot of away games every year. And that team in 06 only had 14 games total, and they lost to the Evanston YMCA by 30 points. That I am I am verifying this. I'm looking at the yes, no wins. <laughs> wow. Oof. So in other words, Purdue better goddamn win because that loss alone will drop them another seed in the tournament. Illinois could lose 20 for the first time in school history. You guys have never lost 20. Never. And you know what? The thing is, a lot of the bad years, like my junior year when I was there, um, they did beat Clemson in non-conference who were ranked. And Michigan State was a Final Four team, and they took them down to the wire, almost beat them at home on a buzzer beater. But then they went to the Big Ten tournament, and they went all the way to the title game as the lowest seed. And then a few years after that, that was a long Kruger team. There was a Bruce Weber team that was terrible. But again... 
in the Big Ten tournament as a low seed went all the way to the title game. So it's amazing how that washes away a lot of your bad memories of those seasons. I wouldn't know. I'm just a Purdue fan. We only have bad memories. Well, you actually you guys did that. Dimitri McCamey's freshman year, that that terrible weight team, they beat Purdue that was ranked in the top 20 in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. McCamey was a fun player. He was. Like, he just probably should have not. Someone said it best. He was so concerned about going to the NBA. It's like, dude, you need to make it to the NCAA tournament first. He never looked like an NBA player. He just looked like a fun college player. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, so we started that 14-team thing. Took forever. But we didn't even get to Wisconsin. So give me one thought on Wisconsin, then we'll close this up real quick. I think Wisconsin may just be coming back. It's regression to the mean now, I think. They kind of reach their peak, and they're not going to be as bad as they are this year. I think they're going to figure things out, but I I don't think where they were is coming back. And I don't know. It's um they had some bad breaks with injuries, but you only get one Frank Kaminsky. That's right. You only get one shot at Frank Kaminsky, the pride of Naperville basketball players. I mean, they it's funny because they had the magic three NBA players on the same roster, which is usually what you think is what you need to contend for a title. Purdue had it and Hummel went out, which obviously cost them. But if okay, three NBA players will usually get you pretty far unless you're Maryland. <laughs> that's the point of this oh, podcast right they throw to turgeon <laughs> you know he's turgeon has become like the whipping boy on our podcasts he should be it's embarrassing <laughs> well think about some of those duke teams that bow out of the first or second round though against teams that like yeah, but they have some banners. Like, Izzo can get away with it every one every, like, five years. Yeah, Duke's got a lot of banners. That's true. It's, we got to say this for Wisconsin. No, I mean, this year has been just a train wreck, but I can't think of another place where they know their identity in both sports and play to that and consistently win with that. And I think identity is not just a cliche or a talking point. I think identity is important. <laughs> It is my number one college town now. Yeah, it's a fun place. It's a lot of fun. I ended up at a, like a karaoke bar at one o'clock in the morning. Like nothing's better than drunk stumbling into a place where you can sing into a microphone and people like cheer along. I'm a friends in low places guy when I do karaoke. Oh, Garth Brooks is such a cop out. You just have to like low hum. Well, I also did, um, what's that? Shorty got them apple bottom jeans, jeans, boots. Wow. Fur. Yeah, Is there no, a video of this? No, that song. I, I do that one a lot, too. Good. I did Flowbots. I don't know what that is. Oh, my God. Did we I find out what that video is supposed to be? Of It was K-pop. Oh. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> is that guy right? The name of your dance team is the Gold Dusters? I guess. I Yeah. What what is gold? What is a gold duster? Like what is gold? I don't like. Wasn't that the WWF wrestler Gold Dust? They were kind of dressed up like him, an homage. What should be the Gold Schlager dancers? <laughs> All right, Gold Schlager is more outdated than Gold Duster. I don't know when, anymore. When when Notre when like the Notre Dame players like if if they get hit really hard and the dust comes off their helmet, it looks like Gold Schlager. <laughs> Um, all right, what's your prediction for the Illinois game tomorrow? Not tomorrow, two days. No, it'll be tomorrow, probably. 
it, it is tomorrow now, and in both time zones that we're in. Okay. Yes. What What is your prediction for the Thursday game? Seventy-seven Illinois, to Purdue. 50. Seventy what? Seventy-seven to fifty. Ooh, Purdue. Illinois. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, of course. It's Purdue. <laughs> Remember, I have editing powers, so. Yes, that's true. You should probably take out some of the stuff about Patino then. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's good. That's to gonna stay. It's good to make fun of somebody, but I don't know. You shouldn't joke. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any Patino truthers anymore. Are there? There's no like backers. I think we're all like fine. It's like Trump's sons. Not even like Trump followers will be like, Oh, that Eric guy. He's pretty good. (laughs) I'm like, nah, you can have that one. Take your shots. All right. Well, that sounds right to me. Except I actually, I think Purdue will put 80 plus on Illinois. I think they'll come out charged. Then what's your prediction? Oh, 84 58. Wow. Purdue's a good offensive team. Oh, I, I think disagree. Isaac Haas will have your big guys fouled out, have Illinois' big guys fouled out in 12 minutes, maybe. So that would be the 2005 national title game. Uh, when the starting center fouled out for Illinois in nine minutes. It's really weird to think that Illinois has been to a national championship this. Yes, uh, while we century. were adults. Yeah, while I was alive. Right. It It's kind of like. Yeah, like, I'm like, did that really happen? I People tell me it did. I choose to believe people because I'm an optimist. And, <laughs> I don't know. In spite of all that's happening in the country, yeah. yes. Yeah, I still I still search for the light and truth. Well, right, well, I, I, I like animals because you can hear my cat crying in the background again. Yeah, it's, I, he was asking for help. He was he was asking us to end this like podcast like half an hour ago. Well, he obviously disagrees with some of your takes. What can I <laughs> As do most people. <laughs> Perfectly fine. All right. Well, for Paul and Banks, thank you again for coming on. You can read all his stuff at thesportsbank.net. I should have a Ryan Clyden piece out in the next day or two. Uh, check that out. If not, watch the game on Thursday night. We will have your game recap up as soon as it's finished. For Hammer and Rails, I'm Casey Bartley. Thank you for tuning in. We didn't even do Rutgers. Shit, did I skip Rutgers? Yeah, skip Rutgers. Uh, no, I didn't. I, we did Rutgers. Did we? I swear we did. I was reading a list. You know how good I am at that, reading things. Yes. Uh, no, I think we did. Didn't we do? We had to have done. Rutgers. We didn't. Get, what did we say about Rutgers? Um. I don't know. We didn't do Rutgers. I swear to God, we did Rutgers. I. Did we not do Rutgers? Do you want to do Rutgers now? I, Rutgers University. I think they made improvement this year. There's a tough. That's a tough place to play. Um, we've seen them for who Rutgers or for opposing teams. It's tougher than you'd think for opposing teams. They've given it. It's been pretty tough for Rutgers lately. Yeah. They're, they're not good. And in a big 10, that's like this. Um, it's pretty embarrassing that they don't have a better record, but you know what? I guess we'll really see the power of Rutgers next weekend. Won't we? Because big 10 tournament will be in their yard. So their backyard. So we'll see if they, they paint, the Madison Square Garden red. They have like a shed there. I don't know if you'd call it their yard. It's like a tiny 8,000 person shed. 
I, 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 I'm with you. Like, I agree. Their defense is pretty solid. They've got a lot of athletes. Corey Sanders is one of the more entertaining guys to watch. But I'm looking at their schedule right now. And after a promising start of beating up on a lot of no-name teams, and they had a lot of close games, but they have lost nine of their last ten games now. And that's rough. They kind of peaked early. Like, they're... I remember that very few Big Ten teams actually beat a ranked opponent in pre-con, and they were one that did. And they gave Michigan State a fight in both outings, especially so at the Breslin Center, which really shocked me. But, um, yeah, they kind of fell off the map in late January and February. December and January were kinder to Rutgers. Yeah, they've got young guys. Um, they're only losing two players. Uh, yeah, two players that play major minutes for them. I think their big guys are really springy and good. I, I definitely think the definition of Rutgers has changed. They're no longer the bottom dwellers in the Big Ten, a guaranteed win. Uh, Purdue went in there and barely won. Uh, like you said, they gave Michigan State the fits. I think finally they have the right coach in place who has an actual philosophy. You know, he is... He has a mindset. He's got the players he likes. So I mean, every Big Ten team that pulls himself out from being an embarrassment is good for the league. So I think they're on the right track. Yeah, they have direction and progress now, which you couldn't say before. And and both sports, actually. Yeah, I honestly, they need shooting. If he can get some shooting next year, Geo Baker's pretty good. But an offense entirely based around one guy, and that's Corey Sanders, as good as he is, you just have to have more than that. Yeah, I would agree with that. 